Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. I am your host, James Orr, for another episode of the servingrealestateinvestors.com webinar series, Substack subscription series, podcast series. Basically, it's all about stuff for uh, those that are interested in serving real estate investors, real estate agents, lenders, accountants, hard money lenders, title companies, you know, all the people that cater to and want to have real estate investors as clients. Today, we're going to do a special class. Today, we're going to do a class on kind of like how a person who is brand new to my universe, you know, my kind of like real estate investing club and meetup and everything else, um, kind of journeys to become a new client. So I'm calling it the, the first meeting for new real estate investor members. And I'm just going to walk you through kind of like the process of how someone kind of finds me, discovers me, and then how they end up becoming a client so that you can get an understanding of how it has worked for me and how you may kind of like start with this and modify and tweak and make it your own way. So let's jump right into it. So someone, it's not uncommon. There's lots of variations before I even start. There's lots of different ways that people come into my orbit, you know, referrals from other clients, um, you know, somebody brings them as a guest to a class, somebody, um, you know, discovers me through a listing or hears about me from someone else. I guess that's another referral. But, you know, there's lots of different ways to do it. They listen to the podcast. But a, a relatively common way, as you've seen evidence through the number of people that have joined the investor meetup, and I showed you that class on the stats for that, um, a really common way for people to discover me is they find the real estate investor meetup on meetup, you know, whether they join Meetup and it recommends things based on their interests or they seek that out or they search for it in a search engine or they go to one of these you know, expensive um, real estate investor kind of like traveling sales show guru guys and they tell them, hey, you need to connect up with your local real estate investor group to kind of find resources and stuff like that. Well, then they find me, right? Like these guys are advertising. They're big budgets that they're using to go around the country and do their sales shows to, in order to sell people at the, you know, the $300 weekend to the $3,000 course to the $30,000 coaching program, they're all telling them, go find your local real estate investor meetup, which is me, uh, or you in your marketplace is kind of you make one. So that's the idea. They using their advertising budget to advertise you. So anyway, so a lot of people will find me through the meetup and they will register for the meetup and they will join the group. And joining the group is really just clicking on a button. My group is free, so it doesn't cost them anything. It's really easy, very low friction way for them to kind of just be um, in touch with what's going on there. And I do need to do a class on social proof. Um, hopefully I'll make a note and I'll remember it. I'm sure it keeps coming up, but um, social proof, like when someone hits your meetup, how does you, how do you make it so that it looks live and that there are people interacting and people on there and that there's some social proof from other investors to show that it's legit and that they should join and come and attend that. And I think that's important. And so we'll talk about that not just in the meetup, but other places too. So anyway, they find the meetup, they see some social proof and they join the meetup. At that point, because in my description, it talks about you know what the group's about, how it works and stuff like that. And there's also a link for them to download the spreadsheet, the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet, which if you guys want to go download, you're welcome to go download it and see, get on the list and see exactly what I'm sending out to them. But that, that basically allows them to join the email list where I can then stay in touch with them. So they may decide to do it at that point. Not everyone does. Some of them may decide to then, um, once they join the meetup, they may RSVP for a meeting. Not everybody who joins the group uh, decides to RSVP and attend a meeting. It's the weirdest thing. Some people just join the group to kind of be 
involved in what's going on. And maybe if something uh, tickles their fancy and they're interested in coming, they may then RSVP for that meeting. But it is not universal that everyone who joins the group RSVPs for a meeting. Um, and then sometimes when they do RSVP for a meeting, sometimes at that point, they may download the spreadsheet and join the email list then, but not everyone does. One of the problems with Meetup, not a real problem, but one of the downsides of Meetup is when someone joins your group, you do not automatically get their contact information. You can contact them in Meetup very easily uh, through the Meetup platform, and it'll send them like an, an email through the Meetup system, but you don't get their email address to kind of add them to your list so you can kind of keep them abreast of you know deals and what's going on in the marketplace and, and classes and podcast episodes and all those other things of value that we talked about before. So you need, uh, you know, some of the things that we do and the reason we do it is to, is to be able to capture and, um, you know, capture contact information and email address and mailing address for mailing stuff uh, from in investor clients and prospective clients. Okay, so some people will find the meetup, some people RSVP for a meeting, and then some people will attend a meeting. When they attend the meeting, um, usually they come to the you know front thing and they register and they'll you know uh, Allison or whoever's checking people in will say to them, "Hey, are you brand new?" Because you will notice you know we don't recognize them or we see them as listed as first timer on the list or something like that. And then we will ask them um, you know if they fill out that sheet. Uh, which I showed you a couple classes ago. It's kind of like that new member sheet that asks them for their full contact information, name, address, telephone number, email address. And then it asks them like what they're interested in by clicking on a whole bunch of different classes. They check off boxes. And then there's a bunch of questions on the back that ask them a whole bunch of different things. One of the things it asks them though is, um, are you interested in becoming a client of James? You know, real estate brokerage client of James. And they could say, yes, no, where I'm getting my license, I think is the three options. We can go look at that together when we go over that form. I have a class scheduled, I know for that already. So we'll go over that in detail. So they fill out the form though, and they trade us that form for a copy of the Nomad book. And that's how we sort of get them to bring the form back up uh, without having to harass them. So it's like trading. You're, you're saying, hey, look, go fill out this form right now and bring it back up. We only have a couple copies of the book left and we'll give you a copy of the book when you bring the form back up. And so some people will fill out the form right away. Some people will wait till after the class and do that. Um, sometimes I will go ahead and say something from the front of the room. You may even hear it on some of the old recordings if you happen to listen to some of those where I talk about you know, the book or the old book or the new book or you know, the client book. I'll like reference things related to books so that we can get their attention, especially new people. Old people get tired of hearing it, I think, but um, I try to keep it interactive. So they fill out the form, they get a copy of the book. Um, often too, in addition, they will get copies of the old newsletters. I will do a class and show you my newsletter so you can kind of see exactly what I'm talking about and how I did it and why I did certain things certain ways, but you'll be able to see the newsletter. Um, they'll, they'll see like the newsletter and they'll get a feeling for sort of the flavor of uh, the culture of the group, the culture of working with me, sort of my personality, and you know they'll do that. Um, I, I would say that my business was largely personality driven, uh, meaning that it was it was all structured. It was not sanitized. It was not corporate. It was not like high quality, very high shine. Everything you know, plain vanilla looks perfect. Looks like it was prepared by a PR agency. It was very personality driven, where um, it was it was intentionally done to be a little quirky, a little fun, um, a little outrageous at times, um, a little irreverent at times. So there's sort of like that flair of my personality coming through, which I personally feel was important. But you have to decide what you decide to do for your own culture as to whether or not you want to do that. Maybe I'll even do a class on that at one point. 
do you have any of these things um, are good ideas for you? And you really do want to see one. If I mentioned like, you know, do a class on culture, you're like, yeah, James, I would really like to see a class on that. Then go ahead and reach out, you know, drop a comment in the serving real estate investors or email me. You know, when you get a, when you get the email from me for serving real estate investors, you can reply to those. You know, I do get replies. Um, not that I've received replies from anybody. I guess I have, I've got a, um, a couple of people have emailed me and reply, but um, I don't usually get a lot of replies. I guess I'll say it that way. Which I think is true for the meetups, by the way, in general. You don't get a lot of replies to the emails. Um, that's pretty natural. Um, at least I don't. So they often get a copy of the old newsletters. Um, and then at the meeting, when the meeting is over, a lot of times they will network with other real estate investors in the room. Um, specifically, other clients of mine in the room will often talk me up, right? Like if they're meeting a new investor for the first time, they're like, hey, are you, you're looking to buy a property. Yeah, you should definitely work with James. He's awesome. He's great. He'll help you buy a property, invest property. He really, he really did a great job with me. He helped me learn a lot of stuff or whatever they're saying, right? Like you want them in the room talking to you up, which is one of the reasons to constantly be doing new, exciting classes and not all classes for beginners. Because- it is hard for somebody who is a client of yours to show up for a beginner class and to want to be there over and over again for the same introductory introductory type topic. So it's this balancing act between doing covering all the beginner topics and then doing more advanced, more kind of like, well, actually even more intermediate and then even more advanced topics. So you want a range of these things and it attracts different people to different meetings for different reasons. And so you constantly have this, different moving group. There's some people that they show up for everything, right? That's almost like their social outing. And then there are people that show up based on topic. So realize that that happens there. So the brand new people, they get to network with other investors in the room. Um, I don't like force this. I don't strategically introduce them to other people, although you could, if that was your thing. Um, I sort of just let it happen randomly. There's enough clients, enough of the other people in a room who are clients and have enough other nice things to say about me that I let it happen organically. That changes over time. You get to be more and more to the point where, you know, they're much more likely to have an experience and you hear that it is the norm to talk James up because, you know, other people are doing it and other people are recommending him. And so you get a little bit of that going on. I, th I think it could go the other way, right? Like if you end up being bad, like not good referral, not a good person to do it, they will end up referring other agents in that room. And so you need to like watch that. If you find that happening, you may need to intervene, have a little intervention with your group and, and kind of uh, fix that in some way. Maybe you don't do networking at the end for years. I don't know. I didn't have that problem. Uh, so some may come up after class and ask you about becoming a client. I would say most of them do not. Most new people to the room, they are not going to come up after class. And part of the reason why is I'm not pitching becoming a client really hard from the front of the room. In fact, there are entire classes where I don't even mention it. I don't even mention I'm a real estate agent. I don't mention I'm a real estate broker. I don't ask people to become clients. I don't chase people in general. But some may come up after class and they may say, hey, I, I noticed uh, you were doing the group, really love class, first time here. It's just pretty much how it is. Yep, pretty much how it is. You know, how do you, you know, what do you do? Or like, how do you, how are you involved in this? And sometimes I'll tell me, you know, I'm a real estate broker. I'll help a lot of our investor clients, you know, buy or sell properties. And they'll say, oh yeah, I would love to do that. I'm, I'm interested in doing that. And then they will come up to you and they'll ask about becoming a client based on that. Or they'll, they'll see it from the form and they'll kind of know and they'll ask you based on that. I, I'd say most of them do not. It's very rare to have someone come up after class and do that. 
then after the meeting, they may go back to their home or home office and they say, oh, class was great. I'm going to go download that spreadsheet. Maybe they'll look up some podcast episodes. Maybe they'll go watch some videos. They'll kind of try to like dig into a lot of the additional content. A lot of times at the meeting, especially um, when we, one of the slides in the meetup slide deck is uh, the upcoming classes. We kind of like advertise what is coming for the next month or so, usually five classes. I'll, I'll show you an example of that. We go over the PowerPoint slide deck, but they will, they will see them on their phone RSVPing, especially if I tell them that, uh, you know, I expect this class to fill up. There's going to be limited seats, as you can see in the room. So you may want to RSVP your spot early. Um, and if you do RSVP, do show up. Um, if you don't show up, you may be removed from the meetup for next time. Okay. Um, then after the meeting, we all go home and it's late at night, you know, all that other stuff. And uh, usually the next day we take all the new sheets and we usually, usually my assistant would add them to the, uh, to the database. And if somebody said on the back of the form, I'm interested in becoming a client, then we would usually send an email out to them that says, you know, if it's for me, it'll say, hey, I noticed you said uh, you were interested in becoming a client. Uh, why don't we go grab a burrito for lunch and we can uh, discuss, you know, anything you want to talk about, uh, about buying investment properties. And so I send them a link to schedule a lunch with me. So I have a special link on my website that's for, used to be schedule once. I think I'm using a different service now, but it allows them to book a lunch. Uh, all my lunches are at the exact same place, exact same restaurant. I've been eating at that restaurant every day um, since like August of 2000. Um, and so it's always the same thing every day. And yes, I do eat the same thing for lunch every day. Um, even did in like middle school and high school. And then it just continued when I became an adult. Um, but you, everyone meets at the same place and it's always the same time. So it's always noon at this one restaurant, Qdoba, it's a burrito place. And so everyone goes to the same place, same lunch, same time. There's no like, hey, can we negotiate and go somewhere else? It is extremely rare for me to make an exception to that. And uh, every time I do, I probably regret it. But like, for example, there was one, one person, super nice guy and, and his wife, um, and the wife was really nice too, but I, I knew the guy first. And uh, they were like, hey, listen, we have dietary restrictions. Can we go someplace else? And so uh, I did that, you know, that, but that's like, that's how rare it is. It's very, very uncommon for me to change up the venue. So anyway, we basically sent them a link to be able to schedule lunch. They pick any day or time that they want, as long as it's noon at this one restaurant and any day during the week. I did Monday through Friday. I didn't do weekends. Um, although in a rare case, someone say to me, Hey, I can't meet during the week because I work. Uh, can we meet on Saturday or something like that? But it's, it's pretty uncommon for me to do that. Uh, so we would go ahead and do the restaurant. They'd schedule it. And then we would, they'd schedule themselves for lunch. And the reason why they scheduled themselves for lunch, because that system would automatically remind them. It would send them a reminder, like I don't know, three days ahead of time, one day ahead of time, the morning of, and then like an hour before, it would send them all these reminders to remind them to do that. And that significantly cut down on no-shows because I didn't always do it that way. And there would occasionally be no-shows. The further out somebody registered, the more likely they were to no-show. So this has been a system where I did it. And once I went to the system where they got reminders, way, way lower no-show rate, like significantly, like almost zero at that point. All right. And then here's the lunch process. So that's sort of like getting to the point where some of them will schedule lunch. Not everybody you send the email to will even reply. Not everyone's going to schedule lunch. Some do. Then when you meet for lunch, um, I usually get there a little bit early. I sit down. I'm usually reading. Um, I usually bring some several books, which I'll talk about here in a minute. Um, I learn. Then they come in. We, I usually see them walk in the door. If, if they know who I look like, I usually sit in the same spot, but they can come and see me and they usually recognize me. A lot of times I won't recognize them. Because I don't like, sometimes it's the first time I met them. Sometimes, uh, you know, I, I 
wasn't really paying attention in class and I don't know who they are, or, you know, which one of the seven people that came because I didn't put a name to the face or anything like that. So a lot of times they'll come in, they'll introduce themselves to me and say, Hey, how's it going? Great. I say, let's grab some lunch. I usually leave like my books um, and like a, like a notepad, like one of these things, I can't see it, but it's like a thing of paper, like a legal pad with a pen on the spot to kind of reserve our table. Cause it's not like reserve seating. So I just leave it all there. We'd get up, we'd walk in line and we'd have like, I don't know, five minutes in line while you're doing stuff. And you learn a ton about people um, just in that first five minutes or so you learn like how they interact. You learn, uh, you learn a ton about like how they interact with the people where they're getting food from as to whether or not you want to work with them in a lot of ways um, from how they interact with the people making the burrito and serving the burrito and the, the cash register person to a lesser degree, because I'm usually paying. Uh, but you, you learn a lot about them. And then I usually do a lot of small talk when you do in line. So like, Hey, how's it going? What you been up to? Um, you know, what do you got going on today? You know, like all the normal, excuse me, all the normal Ford stuff, family, occupation, recreation, dreams, this basic sort of stuff that's going on there. Um, ask them if they know what they want, if they've ever eaten there before, like all that stuff usually comes up that I eat there every day because they see it on the calendar and they usually ask questions. So it's very, very common to have that little kind of like side conversation. They'll tell me about the class. Like, how'd you like class? You know, what, what'd you think? You know, what are you, what are you looking to do? And I don't usually ask them about like what they're looking to do. That usually comes a little bit later, but we go through line, they order their food. Um, so it's all small talk while in line for the burrito. I always buy. Um, so, you know, it's usually cost me about 10 bucks for the burrito and a drink. Um, probably a little bit more now with inflation and stuff, but it's usually me buying every single time. So I buy, um, I don't let them buy. I go first in line. I order, I check out. Uh, the, I go there every single day. So they know, unless it's a new person on the cash register or a new person behind the thing, they know exactly what I'm ordering. So I don't even have to order most of the time. I just walk through and uh, you know they order and I'm talking to them and I'm paying attention to them. And I get to the cash register and it's just assumed that I buy, I pay, I go. That's it. Then we take the burritos, we go back, we get the drink and sit down you know, and kind of start talking about stuff. So at that point, we're sitting down, they've gotten their drinks, they've gotten their silverware, they've gotten their, their plasticware really, their napkins, we're all sitting to do drinks. You can see like how they interacted with um, you know, service workers, basically the people preparing their food. And you know, did, they, you know, did they offer to get napkins for you? Did they offer to get silverware? Did they, you know, are they like thanking you to do things? Are they offering to buy? Are they trying to say, hey, I, it's, it's my questions, I, you know, I, I wanna buy. Like all that stuff, all those interactions, they tell you a ton about the people that you're gonna be working with. And so I think it's incredibly important to kind of just pay attention to what's going on there and how that's all going down. Um, now, I'm not saying like, like any one thing they do is an automatic no, although you can tell a lot and, and make some decisions about whether this is someone who you think you want to work with or not by how they're treating people and how they're treating you and the conversation and stuff like that. So you can just tell. But I usually bring a copy of the client book. I didn't bring one. There's one on the shelf there. I'll go over the client book in detail on a separate thing. But I usually bring that and I have you know several of my other different books, not all the same book. I'll usually bring a copy of the Nomad book just in case they didn't have a copy or they didn't get one or they wanted another copy for their kids or spouse or something like that or a friend at work. Um, and so I'll usually bring copies of those and uh, the client book. I don't give them all to them. They're sitting on the table while I eat and we're talking and I have a you know notepad in case I need to make some notes about something, which sometimes happen. And then like I'm unwrapping my burrito, they're unwrapping or eating their bowl of burrito type food. And then um, it, it, this is like the normal thing. It's my script. And so as I'm about to start eating myself, I say, so um, you know, what can I do to serve you? How can I help you? What can I do to be a service? So it's, it's like those types of questions. In fact, sometimes I'll even say it more than once. I'll be like, you know, what can I do to serve you? How can I be of help? And uh, they start talking. 
and I'm eating my burrito. They're doing the majority of the talking. It works out great because by the time I'm done with my burrito, they've usually had a chance to ask, kind of tell me their background, tell me their whole story, what they're looking to do. I've answered maybe like one or two questions, but I'm not usually doing like long things while I'm eating my burrito. And then by the time I'm done with my burrito, then they've usually gotten almost everything they wanted to tell me out. And then we're just kind of like having a conversation about stuff. When it is appropriate, if it's appropriate, um, I'll mention things in a book or in a class or class recording or a class that's coming up or whatever we're talking about. They'll say, you know, so I wanted to do this. Uh, I was wanting to do fix and flips, but I heard about this nomad strategy. So I'm interested in that. I'm like, oh, we have a class coming up in three weeks on fix and flips. And we had a, a couple of classes before where we've talked about those. So you can go watch the videos and kind of get the information you need on that or whatever. Um, or we, we talk about whatever it is that's on their mind. I don't try to lead the conversation in any way in particular. It's really just being of service and adding value. That's really what it's all about for me. And then if I say that I'm going to do something, it's like, oh, I've got some stats on that. I will send them to you. I, I pick up my phone, I send myself an email that says to myself, James Orr, send stats to John and, and Susie about this. And I put my phone down so that they know. And I tell them, I'm sending myself an email reminder to do it when I get back to the office because I make promises and I follow through on my promises. This is sort of like demonstrating that you're paying attention to them, you're listening, and you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And I think that goes a long way, in my opinion. Um, so that's what I basically do. If it's appropriate to give them a book on a topic or something like that, I will do that. I don't always give people books. Um, there's probably a slight correlation between if they get books and whether they become a client, but it is not necessarily true. There are definitely people who they're not good clients for me. It's not going to be a good fit for whatever reason. And they still get books. Um, you know, they're, they're I'm being helpful. I'm adding value. I'm trying to, you know, give them, show them support and be helpful with things. But they're, I'm, I'm not like, closing them to, I'm using closing quotes and quotes to become a client and trying to ask them to become a client. Now, if it seems like they are going to become a client, if they're like talking like, yeah, we want to hire you. We want to go look at properties. You know, we're trying to do this. This is our situation. We got this much down. We want to buy, you know, five properties in the next five years because we want to do that nomad thing. And that's about what we need. And, you know, this sort of stuff. So, you know, like what kind of property should we look at? And, you know, are we looking at new construction? Are we looking at resale? Or, you know, all that stuff we're doing. Then I'll say, great, you know, like here, let me get some information about the types of properties you want to look for. And we walk through that, take some notes or add it to my email um, thing to send them that. And then um, I'll say, hey, look, you know, some people will tell you, look, I want to become your client. What do I need to do? Then I'll, I'll email Tammy and I'll let her know, you know, send over a listing paperwork, you know, buyer's listing paperwork or seller's listing paperwork if it's seller stuff. And we'll, uh, she'll get started on that. So my assistant was pretty much paperwork person doing all that. And uh, if we're doing properties, I'll write a list of like, you know, price range and things like that. I'll say, okay, you need to go talk to a lender and verify a list, but I'll get this set up. I'll have Tammy send you over all the stuff uh, for you to do that. And so I will... If they're, if they're going to do that, then we, if they're going to be a client, if they're showing all the signs and I want them as a client, then we initiate client stuff, paperwork, sending of properties. You know, I have a referral directory in my client book or on the website, so I could send them a copy of that. Um, otherwise, if it doesn't seem like they're going to be client or it's not a good fit or it's unclear, I will encourage them just to keep coming to classes, to keep learning and, uh, you know, try to be helpful and, you know, be of service and do what I can to add value and to leave them better off than I found them. That is sort of my philosophy is just, uh, people should be better off after they find me than before they knew me. And that is the general rule of thumb that I live by. Um, so 
I want to encourage them to come to classes or if they can't come to classes, listen to the recordings, listen to the podcast. They've got questions, let me know. Um, you know, sort of that idea. And that is basically my lunch process on how people become a client. So I hope that was helpful for you. I hope it was uh, kind of a good overview of what the life cycle looks like of somebody who finds me for the first time on Meetup and how they end up becoming signed up, in quotes, as a client and sort of like my process for that. I am. I suspect I have probably missed things in here and I'll sort of add to them and flesh things out over time. But that is the general layout of how I do things and, and how it all works and the books and the signing of client paperwork and all that other stuff that we normally do and lunches and, and all the weird things I've got going on with lunches and my personality quirks. So that's all I got. Hope you enjoyed that. This has been James Orr. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. I will talk to you all on Monday. Bye-bye for now.